Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. So our text today is found in the book of Philippians. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church of Philippi, and uh, Philippians, this book out of the New Testament, there's 27 books, but out of these four, there, there are four that are in this special class called the prison epistles. They are Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. That means that Paul was in prison, he was in chains, he describes this as he's writing, and he is writing to these churches. And we're going to be expounding later, but I'm going to start with one verse for us today. Um, it is uh, Philippians 3, verse 17. He says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your Son, Jesus, and what a powerful time of worship today. What a powerful time of being led in, in communion as a church family. And uh, I pray that you continue to do a work in our hearts, in our lives, from kids' ministry up in, even into here. In your holy name we pray. And the church said, amen and amen. Before we dive into that, I just want to quickly introduce myself. My name is uh, Pastor Dale DeMel. I'm the lead pastor here. My wife, Jaina, um, she got to share there. She is now in, in kids' ministry. I have three kids um, Liam Demel, he uh, is at North Central University. He is a junior, and uh, he does security there. He works hard. Love him. He's a musician, and uh, he is doing his internship at Cedar Valley Church right now in Bloomington, and uh, he's really been enjoying it. And I love seeing what the Lord's doing in his life. My daughter Eden is had her first experience ever. She's in Florida right now. She had a friend. Uh, who used to live here, she wants senior pictures, and her dad agreed to bring her over, and so she thinks she is on, she just thinks she's, she's pretty much made it in life right now, so, <laughs> yeah, so she's enjoying herself right now, and my son Asher, who is six feet, gonna be seven, I don't know, and uh, he's here, and uh, he's awesome. Uh, you know, this week has been a really interesting news cycle for us, and so before we get into the text, um, I, I just think it's important that we ad just address a few, a few things. You know, we, I don't, I don't know what, what we do when, number one, we've had the long, longest cloud cover that our state has, like, ever seen. Is there anybody that was, like, feeling it this last, I mean, feeling it? Good grief. Okay, just on practicality things, when it Weather can really affect your health, okay? It really, really can. I, <laughs> I'm not lying. I, I was sitting in my living room, and I'm looking out, and we got this really nice picture window, and it's my favorite place in our house. I'm just looking out, and I, I read, and I write there, and I found myself writing dark poetry. I felt like I was grunging in the 90s again. <laughs> you know, I was just the grunge of, oh, man, everything's so dark and gloomy. Oh, life, you know? And then I erased it before anyone could see it because, you know, it was so emo. And then, <laughs> and then you, you mix it. So just practi practically speaking, okay, people drink a lot of water, okay? Drink a lot of water. 
exercise, move around. Planet Fitness is like $10 a month. And go there. I don't know. Do something. Get out. Don't isolate. Talk to people. Call. Get out. Move around because it is depressing. Okay? So, so do something. Move, move around a little bit. Um, and then you put on top of that, we've got the presidential impeachment hearings in the Senate right now. We've got the uh, coronavirus outbreak that's happening, and we're kind of like on this fringe of going, okay, is this going to actually be a big thing, or is this just another scare? What do we do? So we're watching that carefully. At least we get to celebrate Super Bowl Sunday. Come on, have some wings, somebody, and some good food, right? And then what I believe stole the story this week is the helicopter crash that uh, took the life of, of nine people. I find that fascinating that, that this story has really taken, taken the, the, the main um, time. And now I'm speaking as, as, a, as a pastor and, and thinking about people because that's, that's how I think and that's how I pray. And, and I, I believe that what happened with, with Kobe Bryant this week and let's not forget his daughter, and let's not forget the other kids and the other people that were, were in that helicopter, is I think that it affects us so much because it, in a way it's outing us. It, it's, it, it is taking our Western thinking of money, of power, and of fame, and it, it, it's kind of all of a sudden showing us that it doesn't last. I, I really, I think this because we look at, at people like this, and yeah, yes, I mean, we, we can make an argument. I mean, the, the guy was like four months older than me. You know, I remember thinking to myself, dude, he's my age. I'm just trying to, to figure out if I should work at Old Navy or, or, you know, Ruby Tuesdays right now. And this guy's making millions of dollars, and he's guarding Michael Jordan, you know? I mean, this guy, like, he, he, he was amazing, and so he grew up, and many of us got to see him, and we were in awe of these things. So I'm not, I'm not trying to, to dispel that or, or cast shadow upon that, but, but I think that, you know, you, you think of people like, you know, Prince or, or Steve Jobs or, or any of these famous people that had everything, you know, Heath Ledger or whatever, and they had riches. They had fame. They had the ability to have power, and yet they died. And, and I think that somehow in our heads and in our minds, we've kind of created this idea that if we could just do this or if we're famous or if this happens, then how sometimes we're, how, some way we're like guarded of life. We're somehow protected. And, and, and I think we're outed. I, honestly, I, I think th things like this and the way that, reason why people are so upset by this is that, yeah, he, he was young and it was too early, but so was his daughter. So are the other people, and so that argument is totally gone. I really do. I think that, that we have this thought that if you have money, if you have fame, if you have fortune, somehow you're protected in this world, and you are not. And that's why the, the scripture is so clear with us, is that, you know what? We, we come in naked and we leave naked. And we cannot take anything with us. And this, friends, is what we are here for is that we know that Christ has paved a way for us. We know that we do not believe in ourselves and what we can create with our own hands, even though that's great that the Lord has gifted us in many ways, but that he is the author, he is the finisher of our faith. Amen? Today, 
we are starting a series called Follow First. Jesus' way of, of ministry and leadership flies in the face of conventional wisdom and what it means to be a leader. He takes the, the pyramid structure that we love to create and we love to be able to see ourselves as high up on that pyramid as possible so we can feel great and we can feel strong and we can feel important and it valued. Look at my life, I've done something with it. But then Jesus says, well, let's take it and let's flip it upside down. And we say, whoa, 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 Jesus, maybe, can we tilt it? Can we just tilt it a little bit? I still want to kind of be up there a little bit, feel that gravitas, right? Yeah. And Jesus said, no, and actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to start washing the feet of my people, and then he says, now follow me. Now, go do likewise, which means follow me. Then he had the audacity to say, you should pick up your cross. Follow me. How dare he? You know, it's interesting. The church is considered the bride of Christ, <clears throat> and he died for the church, for his bride. And then he looks at the men and he says, men, go die. Be willing to die for your bride. Men, be to your wives as Christ is to the church. Sacrificing. Sacrificing. Jesus did not call us to be world-class leaders. That was his job. He called us to be faithful followers. Now, you can look at these books out here, and um, <laughs> these are all leadership books. If you, if you go into Amazon and you type in, like, leadership books, you're going to find over 200,000 leadership books. Now, of course, I know there's other things thrown in there with leadership, whatever. But, I mean, just look at this. I mean, a lot of you guys have read these. I mean, I mean okay, let me just find this. John Maxwell... He has a stinking Bible on his name, or his name on a Bible. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, here, I mean, how many of you have read a John Maxwell book? Right, there's good things in there, right? I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with a John Maxwell book, but I mean, come on, you're trying to sell your Bible by putting his name on it? Are you kidding me? You know, we are called to be followers, but let me tell you something. If these people talked to their marketing people and said, okay, we're going to talk about being followers do you know how many people would be buying their books? No, because we want to be leaders, right? We want to be able to have people behind us and go somewhere, right? Because I'm, I'm important and I think differently. And if you follow me, we're going to be incredible. But this is not who Jesus has called us to be, to be radical leaders that just do our own thing. And I'll, I'll explain this a little bit more in a little bit. And, and, and I want to be very clear. I am not denying spiritual gifts I am not denying that some of you are dynamic leaders in your areas. I mean, we know this, right? I'm, I'm not denying that. But at the core of Christianity is the follower, okay? At the core of Christianity is the follower. Now, th think of a time that you tried to go through some really deep snow. A few weeks ago, I got to go with uh, Jeremiah and Aaron, and they have these awesome snowmobiles. I mean, I'm used to like 90s snowmobiles, right? This close skis, then, I mean, 
spark plugs fouling out and, and just terrible, terrible things. Any little jump, you break your back, you know, and it just hurts. These things were amazing, and it was so much fun. And I was sore for three days later, like 115 miles up north. It was fantastic. But at one point, we got out. It was just beautiful. I began to walk, and we were in the woods on these trails. And all of a sudden, I step in, and they're over here talking, and the snow was up to my waist. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I could, I could create a fort right here is the first thing I thought. You know, I'm just a little kid every once in a while, right? And then I'm like, I'm going to be so tired and sweaty. This is only like 20 feet. So then I'm like trying to turn around. I'm trying to step out of this giant snow. And then I get my feet into my own footprints and I begin to walk back. Now, some of you, you, you remember you've gone into snow and you're like, you're running and all of a sudden it gets deeper. It goes up to your knees and then to your thigh. And all of a sudden you are working so hard and you begin to sweat and then you're stuck. And then you either have to turn around and go back in your prints or you have to find a pathway or create one. And, and the thing is, is that you cannot go very far on your own. When you, when you are working so, so hard, there is only so much that you can do. And Jesus went ahead of us. He made a way for us that no longer do we need to waste our lives, tiring pursuits that leave us exhausted and unfulfilled. Because at the end of the day, your work, everything that you do, you will be tired and exhausted without Christ as your focus. It will be an absolute waste. And instead, he gives us a path and he says, now go be who I've created you to be by following me. Our identity, our pursuits are found in Christ, defined by Christ, and he is helping us walk through by following him. Now, when kids are growing up, whether you're a teacher, a grandparent, Parents, you are trying to be clever on trying to motivate your kids. And if you don't have kids and maybe you work in a place where you have employees or people underneath you, listen, you're just, you're still a parent, okay? You're trying to get people to do what you want them to do even when it sucks, you know, even when there's nothing glamorous about it, but you know it's good for the organization. You know that brushing their teeth is going to help your kid in the future. Putting that deodorant on for sure will help them with the ladies, right? And, and so you, you try to do these things, and they don't work. So then you try bribery. And in the business world, they call those incentives or bonuses. But let's face it, they're bribing you to do your job. Right? If you do a good enough job, we will give you a little extra. I remember when, when I used to manage in restaurants, we would do this with the servers. We would create competitions. We would create incentives for them to sell extra things. It's called upselling. And so even today, if I'm in a restaurant and um, you know, I'm asking the server what's going on, and if they don't try and upsell me, I think they're a bad employee. I do. I think they're not doing their job. And they don't understand that if they're able to get my bill higher, they get a bigger tip because the percentage just went up. It affects them. I'm thinking they're not, they're not very good at their job. You know? And so there is actually, this works. And so we try this and we're trying to, to parent well through sometimes bribery if we're exhausted. Employees are trying to do the same thing. 
Now think about when we raise kids up. What do we teach them? We teach them games like Simon Says. Simon Says. When I was a kid, I was terrible at Simon Says because I was like that ADHD kid where I was looking everywhere and couldn't focus on anything. And I tried so hard. And the second they would say, Simon Says, says do this. And then they'd say, hey, come here. And I would run up there and like, oh, you didn't say Simon Says, sit down. You're a failure. And, and then those good kids who knew how to listen they were so good. They were good at listening. These games were to teach people how to listen. That's what it is. Man, they tricked us. Trying to teach us how to follow. Follow the leader, right? Teachers love this. Oh, follow the leader. We're going to the bathroom, right? So the kids aren't just going all over the place. They are following. It's somewhat orderly. And they're trying to make something fun out of it. And I think it's interesting that we teach these games like Simon Says and Follow the Leader and other games that I'm sure I'm just forgetting. But as they start to get older, we all of a sudden want them to start thinking for themselves. And then we say things like, well, don't be a follower. What? We've been teaching them to follow their whole lives. And then all of a sudden, they're supposed to just stop. They, this is what they've seen. This is what they know. This is literally what we've been teaching them. And then we say things like, well, I'm going to use a woman's voice here because I've heard it from my mom, okay? <clears throat> well, if Doug is going to go jump off a bridge, are you going to go jump off a bridge too? Huh? Huh? And then before I got a back slap, I said, yes, mom, you know I love to jump off of high places. I want to let you know that it was a year ago that I broke my ankle from jumping off a roof. So there's some, it's a little, for those of you that are new here, it's a little of a painful, literally. <laughs> oh, Lord. My son asked me, he was in Minneapolis, I said, hey, sometimes, sometime we need to go out and do those scooters in Minneapolis. That'd be a lot of fun. And he texted me, he said, Dad, today's a good day, let's do it. I said, son, I can't. I said, I just broke my ankle. I'm healed up. And if I break another ankle and go before our church, I, they're going to kick me out. <laughs> so I really want to do it. I want to be fun, but it's just not, I just can't do it right now. Look at that, I was leading. I was leading. Ugh. Anyway, we want our kids to lead, right? We, we want them to, to think for themselves. We, we want them to learn critical thinking skills. But their entire lives, they have been taught to follow, and all of a sudden, we change the game, and they have to start learning the word no. And for those of you who maybe are like me, I think, I think it was um, uh, Alan, Alan Lundberg one time, we were in the hall out here, and he'd ask me something, and he goes, you don't like to say no, do you? And I said, no. <laughs> it's a muscle. You, ha you have to actually build it, and, and we're trying to teach our young people to build this muscle. And, and if you think about it, even as adults, this isn't just a kid's thing. Um, you know, in, in the theme of, of the NFL and Super Bowl Sunday today, commentators call the league a copycat league because when somebody starts doing something that works, all the other teams start to do it. They, they start to replicate what worked on defense or on offense, and they, they began to do it. Hollywood, I mean, good grief, how many more superhero movies do we need Right? They, oh, it works. They made a lot of money. Let's keep producing them until the people are sick of them. And then in churches, it's the same thing. You got somebody down the street 
who, who does the right thing and has the right system, and all of a sudden people start going, they're now at the next conference and they're teaching the next growth seminar on how to get people or steal people from other churches. <laughs> Did I say that? I, I'm sorry. So I, I, I believe what parents, what, what bosses, and, and I'll throw myself into the mix, what pastors are really trying to say is follow the right people. Follow the right people. And th this is why they're saying, go show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And one of our examples is, is Jesus, obviously. And so we're going to be looking at different people in Scripture. Now, Jesus, could you put those Scriptures up here? Um, just a whole list of them there. Now, we're going to be looking at people that are full of faults, okay, like you and I, and they're doing their best to follow Jesus. And God still uses them in their faults, and the rest of us say, Amen. Right? But here, here's Jesus, who we know is perfect, but let's, let's even look at his example. Now, we can really see the theology of John um, shining through here, all of them except for the Hebrews verse. But look at the top. Jesus gave this answer to them. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Following. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not, say it, alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. He's following. He then said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. Now, John 17, 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. That's just, I mean, come on. This is just one of those verses that show that Jesus is not a created being. And then, uh, John 10, 30. I and, and the Father are one. Jesus is equal yet obedient to the Father. Jesus is equal, yet subordinate to the Father. Jesus is equal, but not independent. He is co-equal in imitating his Father, doing exactly what he sees his Father doing. I mean, these books out here, they're good, and there's things that you can get from them. I'm not telling anybody not to read a leadership book, but these are about me, 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 me. How can I be better? What, what can I do? What, 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 how do I be the best that I can be? And, and to a certain degree, come on, you read Stephen Covey's books, you get two or three leadership books, the rest is just repeating what they said. Okay? Just, they're just making it a little bit more modern for our thinking. And, and Tony Dungy, he has a, a book that um, I've been reading, it's called The Mentor Leader, and this is his quote in it. He goes, what can I do to make other people better, to make them all that God created them to be? And I, I believe that Tony Dungy's perspective on this is the right and healthy perspective. Instead of saying, what can I do? How many people can I climb on to get to where I need to be? How about I look around and look at the people that, are, that I have influence on and say, how can I make them the best that they can absolutely be and be following Christ in that.
I think that is a wonderful perspective that flies in the face of these other books. Now, could you, um, I think I put it up, um, it's uh, Philippians 3, 17 through 20. Do I have that there for you? Okay. So I already read 17. Let's look at the rest of this. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Now, look at this. Three times in that one verse, it says, join together in following my example. Use us and people are doing what we're doing as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Three times in one sentence, it says to imitate us and those who are living correctly. Verse 18, for as I have often told you before and now, I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. It took me quite a few times to, to realize that Paul was weeping as he wrote this. He's in tears in verse 18 as he wrote this. He's in chains and he's writing because he is so concerned about the church. He is so concerned about the philosophies of this age taking people that have been following Christ and the foundational and fundamental teachings of the disciples and leaving because of what other people are saying. And he's saying, no, 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 follow our examples. Follow the examples of us who are imitating Christ. He's not saying follow me because I'm awesome. He's saying, follow me because I follow Jesus. If you need a human example of who Jesus is, follow me because I'm doing it. That's what he's saying. Paul wasn't calling people onto himself. Imitate me, he writes, as I imitate Christ. Could you put the next slide up? We're running short of time, so I need to move this along for us this morning. Join together in following. This is a word. Sume metes is the Greek word. And here's a couple of ways that this has been interpreted. Be followers together. Join in imitating. Become fellow imitators. This one word. Be followers together. Join in imitating. And if I may just show you and advertise our mug for those of you who might be visiting or haven't received one yet, pursuing Jesus together. We are a church pursuing Jesus together. We are joining together, following. We are, we are being followers together, becoming fellow imitators, the body of Christ being raised up and together doing the best that they can to help lift each other up, to help train and disciple. Could you go to the next one? We're in your bulletin. I put two little areas there, who to follow and who not to follow. And we already read them, but I'm just going to say these here if some of you like to write in things. Join together in following my example. We are to follow people who are following the example of Christ. It's that simple. Keep your eyes on those who live like we do. Keep your eyes on many people because if you're anything like me, you've had 
fellow Christians who have fallen. Right? There was a, a man who I looked to that I considered the elder in the church that we were at for many years. Uh, he farmed, and there were times that I needed some extra funds, and he would let me come out and work on his farm when my kids were super young. And, and uh, it, he was in his 70s. He threw everything that he worked for, everything that he worked for, threw it all away for a girl like 30 years younger than him. Obviously, that didn't work out. I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated. We should keep our eyes on people who live like Christ. Do not have one person as your focus. We keep our eyes on Christ, but we are also raised up with people around us. Amen? You, you mature people, you mature followers of Jesus, you have an influence that you don't even know about. You are influencing people that, that you don't even know that well. And you are influencing them as husbands, as, as wives, as workers. And, and you just, you don't even know the impact that you have. Imitate those who imitate Christ. It's pretty simple. So the next verse that we already read says, who do we not follow? Well, let's see. Their God is their belly. What does that mean? It means that they are so pleasure-seeking. They are after self-gratification. Anything that they can do Anything that they can do to feel good. They don't care about you. They don't care about your wishes. It may feel like they do, but in the end, they are looking to be fulfilled with their own needs. Next one, their glory is in their shame. And I looked at this in two ways. One is they take credit for what God has done. Friends, some of you are gifted you are gifted in creative and powerful ways of leadership and whatever it is. But let me tell you something. Give glory to God. Give glory to your creator. They are proud of what should bring shame. We are in a culture that celebrates the darkest of sins. And it should be shameful. The glory is in their shame. Lastly, their mind is on earthly things. Now this, I believe, is going to hit the closest to home for most of us in this place. So I just ask you to be receptive of this, just knowing where we live, the day and age in which we live. They cannot see past this life. I have to be honest, I struggle with this sometimes. I, I do. I have to remind myself of heaven. I have to remind myself of of what God has, has put before us. And, and we can get so carnal and physical-minded that we forget. Lastly, they depend on worldly status and success to find meaning and identity. Now, yes, where we work, what we do, there is that sense of identity, right? I mean, what we do, I mean, it really is. But if your entire definition is based on that, when that job, when that career is done, in your mind, you have run or expired your service. Because everything that you did was based on what you did. Your identity, who you are, has to be defined by Jesus Christ. You are here. You've got a plan. God's got a plan. He's got purposes for you. Be open to what he has for you. Be open to how he wants to use you. But do not 
get caught into this place in our culture where what we do is our full identity. Would you please stand? We are called to follow Christ's example. We are to follow first. And inside of that framework of following Christ, we can lead and we can lead well. But we only can do that, we can only be successful when we are following the example of Jesus Christ and imitating those who imitate him. Amen? I am, I am stoked for the next few weeks and I think you might even be surprised by some of the people that we follow and learn to follow that you go, really, we'd follow them? But we look what God has done with them. And that mimics so many of our stories, right? That, that we were broken and we were a mess and yet God took us and did something with our mess. Oh, come on, somebody. There's somebody there, amen. Listen, I, I, I am so excited for this year. I, I am seeing God doing amazing things in people's lives. And let's pray. Will you stand with me in prayer that the Lord is going to do some powerful things this year in this place and in your life and that we can see people come into this place that have been far from Christ and the Lord touch them and knowing that has nothing to do with us because we're following first, amen? amen. Heavenly Father, we are so happy Lord, what a beautiful day, Lord, that we can walk. We should have church outside, Lord. It's just amazing. Lord, may we soak up as much vitamin D and all the things that come from, from your son. And uh, Lord, be with us this day. Bless your people and may your faith shine upon them like the sun. In your holy name we pray and the church said, amen and amen. God bless you. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.